I love the Macy's Mother's Day gift guide. I use it. It has the perfect gift to make all moms feel special. You can shop by price. You can shop by category. They have gift lists. You know, they have a list for the mom who has everything, one for grandma. And you can get top gifts like the Coach Floral Printed Leather Cassie Crossbody Bag. I love a crossbody bag. Or the thing that my mom loved more than anything, the Le Creuset Shallot Dutch Oven. Shop at Macy's.com slash gift finder. If you love tequila cocktails, then check out the award-winning 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. It's a -a one-of-a-kind tequila that is infused with the juice of real fruit. So it's Smooth, it's not sweet, it smells fresh and bright, and it tastes incredible. 21 Seeds makes the most delicious and easy margaritas and cocktails so you can focus on the fun, like game night with your besties. With 21 Seeds, you only need two or three ingredients to make your perfect cocktail. Try 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. Learn more at 21seeds.com. Enjoy responsibly. 21 Seeds, Diageo, New York, New York. Jenna Fisher. And I'm Angela Kinsey. We were on The Office together. And we're best friends. And now we're doing the Ultimate Office Rewatch podcast just for you. Each week, we will break down an episode of The Office and give exclusive behind-the-scenes stories that only two people who were there can tell you. We're The Office Ladies. Hey, lady. Hey, lady. How are you? I'm good. I'm taking an Instagram video. What? They can't hear you, though, on my video. I can hear you in my headphones. I was doing all these little dance moves. Oh, I missed that. Right before we record, Sam plays a little bit of Creed's song, our our music, and Jenna and I kind of just bop around and we kind of just helps us get into the episode. Every week we dance to Creed's song. Love it. Well, what are we talking about this week, Angela? Oh, Jenna, I am so excited because we are talking about Phyllis's wedding. I love it so much. It's so good. This is Season 3, Episode 15, written by Carolyn Williams and directed by Ken Whittingham. Summary. Do it. Phyllis and Bob Vance of Vance Refrigeration are getting married. Today is the day. Phyllis has asked Michael to push her father's wheelchair down the aisle. But after getting upstaged when Phyllis's dad decides to walk down the aisle, Michael tries to steal the show and is eventually bounced from the reception by Dwight. In the meantime, Pam is sad and upset by Jim and Karen's relationship and the fact that Phyllis stole all of her wedding ideas, and she leaves the reception with Roy. I forgot that Pam left with Roy. I forgot! Me too! And I'm Pam! It's so good, though. It's so good. But doesn't that happen? Like, if you've been with someone a really long time and then you break up... You get back together a couple times before you really break up, right? That's real. Especially you're at a wedding and there's all these couples and the person you want to be with doesn't seem like they want to be with you. All of a sudden, the thing that you know is sitting right next to you. So you're like, well, okay, I feel like having some loving. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. All right. Well, listen, fast fact number one. A lot of people wrote in. Sovereign Hurley, Ellie Trevelyan, Winter Pulver, Leah Barbaro, Tia Minoski, and many more want to know where was the wedding filmed. But then 
Colby Linderman, Dana Hill, Christina, Carolyn, and Jennifer all wanted to know, is it the same church where Jim and Pam had their wedding because they look very similar? It is not the same church. It's not the same church. But listen, before I tell you where Phyllis's wedding was filmed, we got even more mail about it, okay? Charis wrote in to say, at some point, Phyllis and Pam both say they are Presbyterians. Was the wedding filmed at an actual Presbyterian church? I'm guessing the answer is yes, because the crew pays a lot of attention to detail and Presbyterian churches love maroon carpet. Chris Furr said, I am a pastor in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, a small Protestant denomination, less than a million people, mostly in the U.S. and Canada. In this episode, the Disciples logo is clearly visible around the 20-minute, 32-second mark as Phyllis and Bob are cutting their wedding cake. I was curious about the choice to leave that specific banner in the background from a prop point of view. It's lighted and it's pretty distinctive. So he goes on to say, the funny thing about it is that theologically, this would be a perfect compromise choice for a Lutheran and a Unitarian who like to keep things, quote unquote, spicy. (laughs) Any background on this would be cool as it is a big hit with our little disciples family. Yes. We filmed Phyllis's wedding at the First Christian Church of North Hollywood, which is located in Studio City, and they are a Disciples of Christ Church. Yes. So when I first moved to L.A., I was looking for somewhere to go um, for Easter services, and I was driving around, and I drove past this church, and it's such a beautiful church. You know, it's the red brick, and it has a steep. It looks very much like that is what a church looks like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I drove past it and they had a big sign about their Easter service. And I thought, oh, well, I'll go there for Easter services. And I did. And it was very nice. Well, I'll give you another little fun fact about this church, Ange. What? This is where Kent Sabornak and his wife, Shelly, got married. Oh, come on. And guess what? They just celebrated their 30th wedding anniversary this past May. Oh, that's so great. That's so lovely. Congratulations, you guys. And then, guys, the reception took place in their social hall, which was on the second floor. So we were able to film everything at this one church. Yes, they have a fellowship hall. And they had, you know, they had the rooms like where Phyllis gets ready. Yeah. You know, all of that was already at this church. Well, incidentally, years later, we filmed a school recital scene for my TV show splitting up together in that sort of hall. And our holding room for hair and makeup was that same room where Phyllis is getting ready before her wedding. And there's that famous scene with Michael. And I was like texting everybody. I was like blowing up everyone's texts. I'm like, I'm in the room where the fart happened. Here's another little thing about that church. I filmed there one day by myself because it's where Philip went to daycare. Oh, Well, are you ready for fast fact number two? I am. We reached out to Phyllis. It's Phyllis's wedding. I know. How could we not talk to Phyllis, you guys? We are so thrilled. So Phyllis is back in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. She moved back there semi-permanently a couple of years ago, and she sent in some audio clips. So the first thing we asked Phyllis was just, what was it like to get this script and, and, and wear a wedding gown? Here's the fun thing, Jenna. Phyllis and I are the three cast members that had big weddings. And it's kind of like it is your wedding because it's all about you. It's kind of really fun. Yes. All right. So 
Sam, play her clip. Hi, ladies. It's Phyllis Smith, or soon to be known as Phyllis Lappin Vance of Vance Refrigeration, at least after this episode, right? I was so thrilled uh, when I saw the script. Let's be truthful. Every time we had a table read, we'd all get to the table, look at the script, and see how many lines we had. So I was really excited and taken back when uh, I saw that I was getting married to my love of my life. The whole episode, I really enjoyed it all. You ask uh, uh, about my dresses. Well, back in those days, sounds like the dark ages, but it was early 2000, plus-size women didn't have a lot of choices. We either looked like the grandmother or the great-grandmother or the bride. Uh, there were not a lot of choices to be made for heavy-set brides. And so I was just glad that I had a dress that looked uh, pretty and and uh, was pretty comfortable. I have to give a shout-out to wardrobe. They really, really took care of me. Every time I had to go to the restroom or anything, you know, they were right there <laughs> to help me out with everything. But, yeah, back in those days, I didn't have a lot of choices. And so I, I just wanted to make sure that my arms were covered. I have a thing about my arms showing on camera and in public. As far as the dress was concerned, yeah, I was happy with it. It was fairly comfortable. And like I said, wardrobe really kept me. Uh, they were right there every second of the of the, the moment. Aw, I thought she looked gorgeous in this episode. She looked so beautiful. That is the first time I've heard Phyllis's voice in a while. And Jenna, it just... It really made me tear up when I listened to it the first time when she sent them over. Yeah. She just, you can just hear Phyllis's just pure, she's just a pure soul. You know what I yeah. mean? And you just hear it when she talks. Do you know what one of my favorite parts of that audio clip was, Ange, was that she referred to herself as Phyllis Lappin Vance of Vance Refrigeration. I know. She I added know. it to the end. I know. I love it. Well, that was so fun to hear Phyllis. And she sent in several audio clips, you guys. So we're going to hear from her throughout this episode. Oh, and she sent in some good stuff. Yeah. Fast fact number three is Ken Whittingham, the director of this episode, joined us for an interview. Ken directed several episodes of The Office, and we just loved him. The cast loved Ken. And Sam, play his interview. Ken Whittingham, thank you so much for stopping by. Hi, Ken. Hey, hey, thank you for having me. It is so nice to see you. Just so lovely. I think about all the great times we had on the show, and, and I haven't seen you guys in so long, and it's so, so amazing to see your faces. We look just the same, right, Ken? Exactly the same. Maybe a little, well, maybe a little younger. I think. Oh, yes. okay. That's what I would have said as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ken, we always like to start by asking our guests a little bit about how they got their job on The Office. Can you tell us how you met Greg and how you came to be a part of the show? Sure. Um, I got a call from my agent and, and he said they're, they're going to redo The Office in America. NBC is going to do The Office. And I was already a big fan of the, um, the British version. I said, sure, I'll go for the interview. And so they sent me, they actually sent me the, the DVD and I, and I didn't have a lot of hope for it. I said, oh man, I hope they don't mess this up because it was such a brilliant show. And I, and I watched it and I was like, wow, this is really good. So I went in for the interview and I met with uh, 
Terry Weinberg and, and Greg Daniels. And we talked about it. And we talked about if America was ready for this type of show. And, uh, <laughs> and we really talked extensively about it, you know, if America was going to get it. And I was very optimistic and saying that I think if America's ready for something, you know, something different, something new. And that's how we met. We met, uh, I guess it was right before we, right before the season started. Yeah. So they had done the pilot. Mm-hmm. And then they were looking for directors for the series. Correct. Correct. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I can definitely see Greg eating up that conversation, you know, sort of like talking about the show and how it's going to hit America and how America is going to react to it. Like that's all sort of like he's so open to those kind of conversations, you know? Yeah, we talked a long time about it. That's basically all we talked about because I referenced, uh, I remember referencing another show that really didn't work that well in America. I think it was called Absolutely Fabulous. Oh, yeah. Uh, they tried it in, in America. And it was funny because I was going down this down this uh, this road that I really didn't want to go. I said, yeah, just like the show, Absolutely Fabulous. They said, oh, before you say too much, we did that show also. We produced oh. this show. <laughs> it wasn't Greg, it was Terry Weinberg. <laughs> <laughs> so they said, well, what did you like about that show? I said, well, I said, I think everybody, which was true, I think everybody looked too pretty. Everybody was just really good looking and it just didn't feel real, you know? Mm-hmm. And, Ken, you directed a lot of episodes on The Office, and two were on location. You had Michael's birthday that was at the ice skating rink, mm. and now Phyllis's wedding. What was it like having us travel and be on location? It was great. It was great moving, being outside, because sometimes The Office can get a little claustrophobic, and it's, and it's very safe. You know, the, the challenge to moving outside and going on location is still give it that, that feel of, of Scranton. You know, or someplace other than Studio City. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, so we didn't want to see palm trees and that. So that was a real challenge. And so, during prep, we would we would we we really prepped heavily to make sure that it looked somewhat like Scranton or somewhere else, some place nondescript. So uh, that was fun, and it was just fun to be in new spaces and try different things and. And um, kind of open the show up. I'm always a big fan of any show that I do um, going outside and getting into the world a little bit. I think something people don't realize is the prep process for an episode. How long would you get to prep an episode? Because we've said we shoot for a week. But how long was your prep before shooting? Our prep was, believe that show was, was four days. I believe That's it. it. Four That's days. not yeah. a lot to move no. a whole show. No. Holy cow. And then don't you like ride around in a little van and yes. look at locations like a bunch of you all crammed in a van? I do. I have such a memory of you guys loading up and leaving set. And we're like, where do they go? <laughs> yeah, it would, be, it would really be the first day because they would they would do They would lock down a couple like the locations department would lock down a couple of uh, options that we would have. And then. I would go to those options, the director and producers. We would we'd go to those locations. There might be two or three different places. And then we would make the decision then. And it was all about um, whether or not it was shootable, you know, just backgrounds and, and just accessibility to the location. Could we get it? Could we load cameras in easily and load out easily? So there are a lot of things we had to we had to be aware of or be conscious of so yeah that would be basically on that on that prep day that would be the first thing we would do is go out and try to lock down the locations because it would take a few days to get a permit to use specific locations now did you have a preference of shooting the episodes inside the office bullpen or outside 
I didn't really have a preference. I didn't really have a preference because, you know, um, the writing was just so good. It was just, I mean, literally, I was reading Phyllis's Wedding uh, yesterday, reading the script again. And it was just so, it's so I don't know, it's just it's written so well. I mean, it's just, it's just written so well. So it was just like a, wherever it was, it didn't matter because the words really kind of drove the, the comedy, you know. So yeah. it, it was, that's what was great about it. You know, so there were all of these great little moments in this episode. You know, you had the the Pam and Roy dancing and then you had Angela and Dwight outside and then all these little vignettes like Michael's head bobbing up in the window. And mm-hmm. what was that like to sort of figure out where those little moments would happen and how you captured them? Well, what I would do is I kind of I'm a super prepper. So I would, I would, I would, I kind of, I think for this episode, I made a shot list and in the order in which we would go on and go in. So what I would do is I would kind of hopscotch. I would set up something somewhere else and then take a camera and go shoot something else. And so I was always staying ahead a little bit to be able to capture all that stuff because that, that episode we had, I was just looking at it a few days ago. There were so many moments that weren't in the episode that we shot, you know. And so, uh, and I think typically we would be about six, seven, eight minutes over it, typically on every episode. So we would shoot more than a lot than we, more than we really needed. But um, I would just stay ahead and, and just try to get it all in, you know, and just, and it was very, very planned. And, um, and some things, you know, on the day we would, we would do things that weren't planned. Like um, when Uncle Al uh, went outside, I think initially he was supposed to be sitting on a bench. And, um, and we got outside and it was nighttime. I said, if he walked into the street, he was green. And then he went the opposite way against traffic and cars came down and literally cars were honking and everything. So we used all that stuff. It was written. So none of that was scripted. We just kind of came up with that, you know, off the, off the top of our heads, you know. So that created so much more tension. Yes. Than him just sitting on a bench. Yes. That was such a good idea. You were yeah. really worried he was just going to be wandering off somewhere in the night. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I think in the episode you see the light turn. Yeah, and everything. So we we timed it and everything. So it was that was really a lot of fun. I'm glad that made it into the cut. Yeah. Well, Ken, I got so tickled just watching that moment when Angela Martin arrives and sees Dwight, and they have that brief exchange. But that that was kind of it. And then then we had to go into the church, and I remember playing with you about. How do we then, like, we, we were like, break left, don't linger, left, <laughs> right, and all right, of that kind of stuff. Right. And I just remember you letting us play a little bit with that. Mm-hmm. And it was so absurd and ridiculous. <laughs> right. And we just exactly. had so much fun. <laughs> that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Because I just, I really wanted to create the awkwardness between the two of you, you know, because I knew that you were supposed to be meeting Dennis later on. Yes. And there, so there had to be this little, you know, this, this tension, especially when he gave you that compliment, you know. And so I think that kind of, you know, I, I don't know, in my mind, that kind of sealed it. Like you, you just became more attracted to him. And so it was easier for you to to kind of blow this other guy off. Who was so perfect for her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a runner, you guys, that didn't make it in the episode. Phyllis sits Angela next to this guy named Dennis. She kind of tries to set her up at the, you know, at the reception. And Dennis is a vet. He loves cats and Jesus. I mean, 
But she she chooses Dwight because he told her she looks like the Queen of England. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So funny. I know. So yeah, I I wish I wish some of the stuff would have made it in uh, the stuff from Dennis, but I guess we we, uh, again we just didn't have time. But there's so much good stuff in here, you know? Yeah, yeah. And we even had, I think it was, I, I don't think it made it into the episode as well. We had Mike going, there was a, a chair, the kind, you know those chairs where people can't walk upstairs? Yes! That, that was going up and down. We didn't use any of that either. We were just, it was just yeah. so much goofy. And that's the beauty about being on location is that you have these spaces that, and you get these ideas that you can just do stuff that's not scripted at all, you know? So that's, that's, that's one of the great things about being on location. Well, there are a lot of really great deleted scenes. So for people that have the DVDs, you have right. to go see all the other stuff that Ken shot. People always want to know if the directors of episodes also have to shoot the flashback moments. Did you have to shoot that moment with little Michael at his yes. mom's wedding to Jeff? Yeah. yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun because we, we knew that it needed to look a little vintage and 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 so and we kind of moved the camera like it was an old VHS camera, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then we, of course, in in post we kind of doctored it. But uh, but it was really fun. It was it was a lot of fun. And we and we um, we shot it, and we just hoped that it would look great and look look vintage, you know, looked older. So I think I think we achieved it. It looked fantastic. Do you do that on the first day so that then Michael can watch it later? Or do you like CGI it onto the TV? Yes, we did. We shot it on the first day and then we we played it back. I believe that's how we did it. Well, there were so many just fantastic big setups for this episode. Was there any moment that was the most challenging to shoot or like something really funny for you? Just just one of these scenes that that just hit you? I don't, I don't think that there was really anything too challenging. One, one, there was one scene that was really hard to get through. Uh, and I would say that was kind of challenging because we were just, we could not stop laughing. And that's when, when Michael went into the check on uh, Phyllis to see how she was doing. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then he said, you know, did you, did you uh, pass gas or did break, break wind? wind? Yeah. 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 And, and you know, the funny thing about that is, um, that was a joke that was put into the script that wasn't really supposed to stay in the script. That really, yeah, that was never really supposed to, it was just like a joke that wouldn't it be funny if this happened and then it just lived. And Uh. and then then it took, I guess Carolyn was telling me this. Carolyn Williams, the writer of the episode. Um, So it just kind of stayed and we just shot it and Michael, you know, Steve, Steve was so good. He could not stop laughing, and and he, I mean, he could not stop. And I've never seen him break like that. And we all were just like, it took us about an hour to get to it because we could not stop laughing. Well, you know, Phyllis always was able to have such this earnest expression, you know. And whenever you had to be mean to her or just like have some random line towards her, and she would look at you with these sweet eyes. So I can I can see Steve not being able to get through it, being like, that is really pungent. And she's just like, hmm. right. right. And then he started messing around with her hair. And oh my God. And she's just like, okay, you gotta okay, you gotta go. I feel like her whole interior monologue was just six weeks vacation, six weeks vacation. Right. Yeah, because that's what she was going to get. Right, exactly. (laughs) That's how she's going to get through it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
with Bob Vance. Yeah, exactly. And I yeah. loved, I loved in the wedding. I loved so much that they were like, "Do you Phyllis take Bob Vance a Vance refrigeration?" Yes. <laughs> like his, you're you're taking the whole thing. <laughs> That's what was so great about it. I think it was in the the merger when she told when she told uh, Rashida. You know, you don't know who Bob Vance is, you know, <laughs> and you got a lot to learn, Missy. And that was, yeah. <laughs> and that's what was so funny about it because Bob Vance was a big deal in that town, you know. Yeah. And so so his, he was all, of, you know, it's all about Bob Vance refrigeration. Everybody knew him. So, well, Phyllis is now the first lady of yeah. Vance refrigeration. I mean, she's going to play the part. Right, right. I'm exactly. sure she's going to have to go to, I don't know. Is there ribbon cuttings yes. involved in dance refrigeration <laughs> when they install like everything in a new restaurant or something? Yeah, I feel like there's a shopping mall where there's little like kind of stars like the Hollywood Walk of Fame and Bob Vance gets one and they they all go to downtown Scranton. That's right. And then there has to be a commercial and she has to be in the commercial <gasps> for Bob Vance. Oh, oh, I wish Why did we never that? shoot that? <laughs> oh, Ken, that is brilliant. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's the content we're missing. Ken, so we said before that you've directed nine episodes of The Office. Do you have a favorite? Can you pick a favorite? Ooh, that's hard. You know what? It's it's a toss up. Um, I think between Phyllis's wedding, actually. And and um, healthcare. Oh, uh, yeah. Hot dog fingers. Yeah, yeah. Healthcare. Uh, oh my God, I can watch that over and over and over. I mean, same. it was just and and it was so it was so great about it. We were just I think I think we shot we we definitely shot it within the first six, but yeah. we were all trying to figure out what the show was about and you know and trying to make it our own and trying different stuff and and we were all getting used to each other. It was just it was just. Great. I loved, I loved doing the, you know, being in the beginning of it because it was, did we shoot it? Was that the third episode we shot? Do you remember? Or You know, I think we shot that season a little out of order. So it might've been like, it was the fifth episode we shot, but it was the third episode that aired. It aired. That's what it was. But yeah. That, those were the early days. That was when we mm. only got six and then they sent us home. You know? Yeah, exactly. So that, yeah. that was a really magical time. It really, really was. And everybody was so unsure um, about it. And uh, and I just remember walking away and just feeling so good about it. You know, just feeling so like, wow, that was really fun and different and great. And the cast was it was everybody was perfect. And um, and I remember my agent um, saying um, the next season came around and I saw the, the all the the attention that it was getting from from um, from iTunes. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I t- I made sure I called my agent and said, look, you got to get me back on that show. You know, that show is, you know, because I think it was up in the air. We didn't know if we were coming back oh, or not. Yeah. 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 I said, if they come back, I got to be, you know, I, I want to be involved in that show. So, so luckily the college kids got us, you know, got mm-hmm. us put on that. Yeah, the college kids and now the middle schoolers. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> they're keeping us going. You know, it's funny is that um that I still I really lead with that. Which when people ask me what shows, if I explain to somebody that I'm a director, and they say, "What shows have you done? Anything I've known?" And I goes, "Well, we'll show called The Office." You know, I brag about it. <laughs> they're like, "What?" So I get a lot of props for that. <laughs> I'm just so 
appreciative to be a part of that show. It was just such a, such a great show. And it's the kind of show that you can just still watch over and over and over and, and still, and because there's all these little subtleties and, and just moments, you know, like we talked about Michael jumping up and down in the, you know, in the, you know, the window and, yeah. and looks and like when, you know, when Pam and Roy were dancing and, oh. and then, you know, Pam and Roy and then, and then, you know, Dwight, you and Dwight and, um, you know, it was just, uh, it was just really sweet, sweet moments. And you just, you know, you just cherish those, those great moments. Ken, this was so lovely. Thank you so much. And what what are you up to now? I'm well now. I know that you directed some "Bless Your Mess," which is the show that replaced my show. That was I know, I know. Okay. But, but just but if it makes you feel any better, we got canceled too. So oh, oh, oh well. I mean, I'm not saying I feel better. But yeah, I'm just um, I'm doing a, a new show with Jamie Foxx on for Netflix is called um, Dad Stop Embarrassing Me. It's loosely based on him and his daughter's relationship. <laughs> and, then, and, then, um, and then in the fall, uh, late fall now, I think after the election, I'm doing a, a show for NBC with Kenan Thompson. Um, it's called Wake Up with Kenan. And it's Kenan Thompson and, and Don Johnson and Oh and my uh, Maya gosh. Rudolph is, uh, has a well. Maya Rudolph has, was his wife, and, but it passed away. So I think um, so. That's a, it's basically the storyline is um, he has his, he has a morning show, and then he's taking care of two kids, and Don Johnson is his uh, father-in-law. Oh my and, gosh! Uh, yeah. So uh, so that's it. Seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to that. Well, Ken, you were so beloved by the office cast we we have talked to so many of the cast members in doing this podcast we reach out to people phyllis sent us in audio clips and she was like oh and it was ken whittingham and we always loved it when ken was there uh, and and just know that you have so much love for you from our cast and jenna and i would love for you to come back <laughs> so so yeah come on back Anytime. I would love it. Anytime. I love you guys and I miss you guys. And, and I, I even still think about you, Jenna. I go, when I'm in Laguna, I go, did Jenna, did Jenna move down here? I wonder if she around here. Well, we would spend how much time just talking about Laguna, moving to Laguna, <laughs> looking at houses right, in Laguna. Right. I have this dream of like one day moving to a beach house, cashing out of LA. Right. Yeah. You are talking up Laguna. <laughs> you know, it's really funny because right after I get off, uh, when, when I'm done with this, I'm going down there. My wife's down there now. Uh, so uh, I'll be there. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well, all of our love to you. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks, Ken. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. So this winter, we went on a little ski trip with another family, and we got an Airbnb, which was so wonderful, right? Because you can make your own breakfast in the morning. We could even go there for lunch to warm up. Listen, I always want a kitchen with kids. Yep. I don't want to call room service for some sliced apples. I want to have my groceries. I need a kitchen. Yes. Well, this is why doing the Airbnb thing was so perfect. Yep. Well, this family we were staying with told us that they listed their house on Airbnb back in California. Oh, that's so smart. I know a lot of people that do this. It's like, oh, we want to go to Disneyland. We can Airbnb our place and then use that money to go. It pays for your trip. Yep. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. 
So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm loving Hungry Root. Oh my gosh, yes, Jenna, we're loving Hungry Root too. They've got fresh produce, high quality meat and seafood, snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready to eat meals, kids snacks and meals, and vitamins and supplements. Well, I took the quiz over on Hungry Root, and oh my gosh, they nailed it. One of the things that I really wanted was I wanted a salmon dish that was quick and easy. I said I wanted to cook food in less than 12 minutes. I was very ambitious. This was one of the choices, and they sent me a miso salmon that, oh my goodness, it blew my mind. And it was easy. It was maybe five ingredients, so tasty, so fresh. I loved it. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Office Ladies listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash Office Ladies to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash Office Ladies. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. When you travel, do you ever think like, oh no, I hope I locked up. Did I leave a window open? Things like that. Well, that's why you should invest in Simply Safe Home Security today. Simply Safe was named Best Home Security System in 2024 by the U.S. News and World Report, and Newsweek ranked it Best Customer Service in Home Security. Well, you all have heard me talk about Simply Safe because it really is simple and it does make me feel safe. We went through the website and we picked exactly what we needed for our home. That's what I really like is you can customize what you need to fit your living space, you know? I love our Simply Safe. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash office ladies. That's simplysafe.com slash office ladies. There's no safe like Simply Safe. How fun was that? He's the best. Well, let's get into this episode, Jenna. We start with a cold open. It's a classic Jim prank. You know, Jim says he has to reboot his computer and it makes this chiming noise. And then he offers Dwight an Altoid. Mm-hmm. And then he keeps doing this over and over, sort of like that Pavlovian, you know, sort of experiment with Dwight. Yes. And Jim's prank works. Yeah. After several times of doing this, the ding goes off and Dwight immediately puts his hand out for a mint. And he doesn't know why. Yes. He's just doing it on reflex. Yes. So we got a lot of mail about this. Blakey, Emma, Kayla, Bethany, and Elise all wrote in to say, in the cold open of this episode, the scene is a montage of multiple days. Did John and Rain have to constantly change outfits just to get this one scene? Yes. <laughs> they had a rack of clothes of all these different changes, and they would film, go change, film, go change, film, go change. Yeah. Yeah. And all the while, wardrobe is keeping track and Veda on set. She's like keeping track of when they're in what outfit and so that they could just get it done. But guys, it wasn't just John and Rain. All the rest of us were in the background. Yes. Anyone that the camera saw had to change as well. Well, I remember getting to work to shoot this cold open and there were like seven outfits in my trailer, which never happened. We would have one outfit. We would wear it every single day for five days. I mean, they washed it, guys. They washed it. You know, well, yeah, but yeah they we wore it. the same thing every day. 
Yeah. But to walk in and like my little closet was totally full of all these clothes. I had to go back and look and be like, wait, what? Oh, yeah. It's the cold open with the dinging computer. That's a great catch. And then we just had this fun tidbit from Amanda Teague, who said, my psychology professor used the cold open of this episode to teach us about the Pavlovian theory. Oh, my gosh. Well, last night I read up a lot about Pavlov. I'm not going to go into it. Here's, oh, no. here's the first time I'm doing a deep dive. And I'm like, you know what, you guys? It was fascinating. It's a whole podcast in itself. Well, now I'm intrigued. Okay, I will read one thing that I discovered, okay? You know what? It's a shallow dive. Give me a shallow dive. Pavlov studied a lot about conditioning and how we react to things, how we can have involuntary reactions to stress or pain are like the cues that that Jim was doing to Dwight with the chime and then you get a treat. Okay. This is the part I found really fascinating. They began to study transmarginal inhibitions, the body's natural response of shutting down when exposed to overwhelming stress or pain. I mean, I guess like going into shock. Yeah. Yeah. Like when your body just shuts down. Research showed that different temperaments move through the responses at different times. I thought this was fascinating because, you know, something might happen traumatic in your life and you and the members of your family or your friends all experience it a little bit differently. Yeah. And you travel through stress and pain differently. Pavlov commented that the most basic inherited difference of people as they travel through stress and pain was how soon they reach the shutdown point and that people that are quick to shut down have a fundamentally different type of nervous system. Like on a cellular level, they have a different nervous system? I guess. This is why it needs a massive deep dive. Well, that's a shallow dive that's making me want to dive into the deep end. I'm going to start ordering more books. I haven't gotten my books yet about Jan Levinson Gould's name psychology people yet, but I'm waiting. You have a lot to read, lady. You're going to be very busy. All right. Well, should we move into the meat of this episode? The spam of this episode? You reminded me when you said that of like, Michael, like, who wants my meat? (laughs) Yes. Let's get into the meat of this episode. We're at the church. Phyllis's wedding party is out on the steps being photographed. Michael is trying to squeeze himself into these pictures. The photographer does that great bit where he's like, you know what? Just just Phyllis and her parents. But then also the bridesmaids and also you two. It's like basically everyone. everyone. (laughs) Everyone but Michael. Well, people wrote in Sidney Pappas, Henry Wengard, Tara S., James G., and Emily Langsham all want to know who played Phyllis's bridesmaids and family. Were they all actors? Were any of them her real family members, like Mindy's parents and Diwali? No, they were all actors. Her main sister that we see throughout the episode was played by Maylie Flanagan, and the photographer in the scene was played by John F. Schaefer. So those are just a couple of the guest stars. You know, Maylie Flanagan is a great improv sketch actress, and she performed with Wayne Wilderson and Nancy Walls before she was Nancy Carell. O-M-G. Well, next up, Michael explains that he is part of the wedding party because Phyllis has asked him to push her father down the aisle. So he's basically giving away the bride. And it's it's a big day for Phyllis, but it's 
it's also just a really big day for him. He's employer of the bride. Well, then Phyllis has a talking head explaining the reason why she asked Michael to be in the wedding. She said she is going to get a six-week vacation. Yeah. A six-week honeymoon. And that's never been done. So she had yeah. her motives. She did. And she's going to pay for it. She will. This decision. Nothing really comes for is. free, guys. Nothing comes for free. Well, then Pam has a talking head where she says Phyllis used the same invitations as her and Roy. There's a big P and a big R. I have a question for you about this because you hold it up. Yeah. I took a screen grab. I looked at it. So you remember your save the date that you handed Angela Martin in conflict resolution? Yeah. That was like shades of purple. That was a save the date. That's different from an invitation. But didn't we say that Pam's bridesmaids were going to have like lilac dresses or something at one point? Like purple was her color. Purple's not here today, guys. There's orange, turquoise. Yeah, you're right. There's a big jump from whatever her save the date idea was to what her wedding was going to be. Yeah, some changes were made. Mm -hmm. You're right. Yeah. It ends up being more bluey. But then in Pam's wedding to Jim, she goes back to lilac. I know. I expected Mm. to see more purple people. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then Stanley, Jim and Karen arrive and we find out that they've both purchased toasters. Yes, I called it the dueling toasters. Stanley's really, really annoyed. Carissa, Caitlin, Nicole, Kimberly and Angela all said Stanley bought Phyllis a toaster for her wedding present. Do you think it's the same toaster that he bought for Pam and Roy's wedding that he couldn't return and now he's re-gifting it? A hundred percent. Yes. I think that's part of the joke. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's in the same wrapping. He just put it on a shelf. I feel like Karen and Jim checked the registry. They picked the toaster. Maybe Stanley checked the registry and he's like, oh, she wants a toaster. I've got a toaster over here. I need to unload. Yeah. So imagine, you know, Jim and Karen's surprise. They're like, well, wait, it said it was still available on the registry. what, What the heck? I think that's why we get the dueling toasters. I love it. Next, Dwight and Angela arrive separately, but they run into each other in the parking lot. He tells her she looks as beautiful as the Queen of England. This is apparently a very high compliment. Angela mm. really loves it. Mm-hmm. And then she insists that they, they, you know, they can't walk in the same. And she's like, don't linger. Break left, left. And Jenna, part of that was improvised because I remember that on the day. Mm-hmm. And Rain and I had a lot of fun being so silly in that parking lot. But I have to talk a minute about my outfit. Oh, Well, you're going to make Hunter Sexton and Kennedy McAllister very happy because they want to know all about it. I remember Wardrobe saying that this was vintage, that they it was like a vintage suit that they found. It was very much like Jacqueline Kennedy, right? Yes. Jacqueline Kennedy, for her husband's um, inauguration, 1961, wore a pillbox hat and wore this cloth sort of wool coat. This was radical at the time. I looked it up because everyone would have been wearing mink. Mink coats, mink hats. And there's Jacqueline in like cloth and wool. It's like, what? Oh. And I forever in my brain thought that her pillbox hat and dress were a shade of blue on that day. Are they not? No. No. So this was so cool. I looked up to see who made her hat. It was made by Halston. And when I did, I found out all of this information 
most people think it was blue because at the time, I guess color film struggled to match real hues in photos. But this dress is actually at the John F. Kennedy Presidential Library and Museum. That's where this outfit is stored. And it is, in fact, beige. Beige. Not blue. She wore a beige pillbox hat and a beige coat. Whoa. Yes. And if you look up this image, in so many images, it's blue. Except if you look at the cover of Life magazine from the inauguration, it is beige. I mean, I'm a little surprised she wore beige to an inauguration. I know. I, I thought so, too. She did have a mink, um, what do you think, call it, that you put your hands in? Stole? A stole? Is that what is it's that called? Is that a stole? I don't know. Little hand is it a muff? Thingy? Is it a muff? A muff? No, muffs are for your ears. It's a hand it was like a, It was like a, a mink, brown mink ball, and you put your hands in it. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. And I just, (laughs) you can tell you and I are on the cutting edge of fashion. A mink ball. She had a mink ball. She had a mink ball. She put her hands in. And and the collar of her coat was trimmed in the same color mink as the ball she put her hands in. But the whole outfit was beige. Very bold. And then the thing that Halston, I think, would really want you to know, because he did an interview about it, is that he spent hours shaping that hat so it would have a perfect rounded dome top. And then when she went outside, the wind began to blow and she had to put her hand on top to hold the hat and it dented it in the middle. Wait, the shape of the hat that Mm -hmm. I've become like that's burned in my brain was Mm -hmm. a mistake because she had to flatten it? She had to hold it to her head. She didn't mean to. It was blowing off. So she grabbed it and that action put a dent in it. And so it was photographed the whole entire day. This was right at the beginning as she walked out. So it was photographed the whole day with this dent in it. And I mean, within, you know, several days all across America, people were selling this dented hat (laughs) to match Jackie's pillbox hat. I cannot believe that her pillbox hat was supposed to be rounded. Oh, yeah. It's supposed to be like a little dome. I have to say, I think God sent that wind that day because a domed hat would have just looked so silly. But a I dented think, hat. I think I think the dent was the right move. I don't know. All right. Halston, put on your earmuffs. I'm just saying sometimes there are acts of serendipity. Jenna thinks the dent was ordained. (laughs) I don't know. Well, after this scene, Angela, we have a Dwight talking head that will become so relevant and important later at the end of the series. He explains that the Shroots have a tradition of getting married while standing in their own graves. And we are not going to forget this later when Dwight finally marries. We'll get there, but people had to help me in that hole. (laughs) Well, so everyone's sort of filtering in. They're signing the guest book, yada, yada. In the meantime, Michael is checking in on Phyllis. Mm-hmm. He comes into the room. He wants to make sure she's all right. Yeah. He's really taken his role seriously. As employer of the bride. Mm-hmm. This scene is Absolutely fantastic. It's famous. It's famous. You know, Ken talked a little bit about how much they laughed while they were doing this scene. We had a lot of people write in. Kat, Marilee, Emily, Stephanie, and Dan all wanted to know if any of the Michael and Phyllis dialogue in this dressing room scene was improvised, specifically the word pungent. (laughs) 
Well, guys, that was all in the script. They performed this almost exactly as scripted. I think that just tells you how well written this scene is. But we had to ask Phyllis what it was like to film this scene. That scene was unbelievable. <laughs> we had the best time. We, I don't know how many times we had to uh, stop to start over because there was one word in particular that we just could not get through, and that was pungent. Every time Steve said the word pungent, he would break out into this high-pitched cackle, and then I would start laughing, and then all of a sudden we heard the video village and the sound people outside the door because we were in a small dressing room area with just uh, the camera guy and a sound boom. I'm not even sure if the boom guy was in there. So we could hear them cackling and laughing on the outside. So we had to stop. They had to move. They had to go down to the bottom of the stairs and um, set up down there. I couldn't breathe. I was laughing so hard I couldn't breathe. He was laughing so hard. And we took, I don't know, I don't know how many times we started over. And it was all because of the word pungent. It's so pungent. It makes me laugh to think of it now. And the only way I found, because I didn't want to keep ruining the scene from laughing, you know, and the only way I got through that scene was to hold my breath. When I wasn't talking, I literally had to suck it up and hold my breath. Otherwise, I we just couldn't get through it. It was, <laughs> it's a very fond memory and one of the best um, that I can have in my entire life. It was a great few moments there. So uh, when you hear the word pungent, know that all hell broke loose every time we said it. <laughs> oh man, I love that so much. I know, I know. This scene made us laugh at the table read and then it made us fall apart when we watched it. But what really got me was the word pungent, but it was the breath that Steve <laughs> took before he said it. Yeah. Oh, man. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall. I would have ruined the takes, even as a fly. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, this scene was supposed to go on. Yes. Bob Vance is supposed to come to the door. Yes. It's in the deleted scenes on the DVD. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, I guess they couldn't get through that part either. Bob comes to the door and he's like, um, you know, Michael's there. And Michael's like, the, and he's like, oh, what is that smell? And Michael's like, oh, that was Phyllis. She's, she has some nerves, some wedding jitters. And Phyllis is like, it is not me. <laughs> and Bob was like, I'm going to go. Oh, my gosh. I wish that was still in the episode, I have to say. It's really funny. All right. Well, now Michael has a talking head that... You know, believe it or not, he's only ever been to one other wedding. Jenna, this made me sad. Oh, the whole, I, I can't deal with Michael's childhood. I know. It rips it's you up. It's too much for me. Well, he's only been to one other wedding, and it was his mom getting married to Jeff. Yeah. And there's a flashback video. It looks like maybe he peed his pants, you oh, know? yes. Walking down he, the aisle as the has, ring bearer. And he runs out, and he says, I hate you, and... Anyway, it's clearly a traumatic experience for him. And Michael is carrying all of that in now to only the second wedding he's ever been to. Yeah, there's there's so much this this scene 
is really important because it's meant to justify why Michael behaves the way he does all day. You know, Michael's trying to heal an old wound here. Yeah. He's trying to make up for the one other horrible wedding he's ever been to. You know, I feel like this is very relatable. If you had a horrible experience back in high school, but now you've made it big and you're going back to your reunion, you're trying to make up for all that lost time. And I think that's a little similar here with Michael. I think the other thing going on here, too, is that once again, Michael sees his co-workers as his family. So mm-hmm. he really thinks he has a bigger role in this wedding than he does. Yes. So now folks are entering the church, right? They're arriving for the ceremony. And Dwight and Jim have this exchange. Dwight's like, who are all these people? Yeah. He clearly doesn't like crowds. He says he has this line. He says, we need a new plague. There's too many people. Did you say plague? What? <laughs> plague. Plague. There's an A. Have you said plague your whole life? Yeah, plague. We need a new plague. Oh, my God. I'm saying plague. Plague. It's plague. a plague. Plague. I'm I can't, saying plague. I cannot believe I'm saying something correctly and you're not. This is. <laughs> let's go buy a lottery ticket. Anything can happen. <laughs> All right. He says we need a new plague. Thank you. Well, we had a fan question from Brianna Everett who wants to know because it's feeling very relevant now, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. did Dwight improvise that line about the plague? No, that was scripted. I mean, this episode was really well written. It really was. So there's, I feel like there's a lot of lines that feel like they're improvised, but they were written. That was written. So now Dwight has this in his head that people are crashing the wedding and he's going to have to go find them, Jenna. He's a man on a mission. And everyone else is arriving and they're sort of like mingling and talking. Yes, Kevin introduces himself to Toby's date, who he does not believe Toby met at the gym. He's like basically implying she's a hired escort. This is classic pervy Kevin. We had some fan questions from Cassidy Hill, Allison Lolis, and Lisa Rice. Is Toby's date a hired escort? Or did Toby really meet this beautiful woman at a gym? And why don't we ever see her again? Well, I'll tell you, I don't know why we never see her again. Well, there was a talking head in the script. After she catches the bouquet at the end, Toby says that she's a pediatric nurse. Yes. But that was cut out of the episode. That is in the DVD box set. There you go. So it was a deleted scene. I believe that she's a pediatric nurse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, we have a quick moment, a little joke that I really like, which is that Kelly has worn white to the wedding. (laughs) It looks like a wedding dress. With a tiara. I know. Yeah. Tiara. Tiara. I'm going to let that one slide. All right. Well, now it is Michael's moment. He's about to walk Phyllis down the aisle. He's about to start pushing Elbert. Yes, folks. Did you hear that? Elbert. I got into a big debate with my family. They were positive that he was saying Albert. And I said, no, it's Elbert. I know I'm hearing Elbert. It's weird because her father's name is Elbert. And then there's Uncle Al. But it's Elbert. Elbert. Correct. Thank you. Well, as the doors open, we reveal Phyllis in her wedding dress. And Pam turns to camera and says, oh, my God, that's my dress. (laughs) (laughs) So she has stolen the invitations. 
And now her wedding dress. We had a fan question, Angela, from Kaylee Connolly, and I'm going to need your input here. Okay. She says, throughout this episode, Pam realizes that Phyllis has stolen all of her wedding details. And then she's wearing the same dress. Well, in the season finale, Angela looks like she's wearing the same dress that Phyllis wore in her wedding to Dwight. Was this planned? Okay, so I wrote this down too. You guys, when we were watching it, I was watching it with the kids. I said, oh my gosh, that's my dress. And, and, then, <laughs> and then the kids were like, no, you mean it's Pam's dress. I said, no, it's my dress. And I, I have all these photos on my phone. I took a ton of photos for the finale, Jenna, of my wardrobe fitting, all of it. It is almost identical. I don't think this was planned, obviously. I don't think Angela Martin would try to emulate Phyllis's dress. I think it was by chance. But but you guys, it is so similar. I had a little lace shawl jacket thing. It didn't come long sleeve. Like Phyllis's goes all the way to her her wrists, you know? Mine went yeah. sort of just to the elbow area. And yeah. then we had a strapless kind of dress. I do not have a broad ribbon band on mine like hers, but it's yeah. super similar. I looked it up too. I had pictures side by side on my computer. They are so, it's like the cut of the dress is so similar. Crazy. I know. Okay. So they're walking down the aisle and as they get about halfway down, Elbert is sort of moved to stand up. He's like, he wants to try, right? It's his daughter's wedding. And Phyllis is so delighted. She she just starts to smile and everyone applauds. And Michael is like, no freaking way. He had one job. He had yeah. one job and they just took it away from him. Yes. And he just reverts back to that little boy who didn't get to walk down the aisle with the rings and the dog took his spot. So Michael is just watching Phyllis and her father walk down the aisle to all of this applause, what he does is just sort of awkwardly pushes slash drags the wheelchair down the aisle behind them. So yes. here's my question, Jenna, because you have the script. I sort of figured in the script it would say Michael awkwardly walks behind them. Was that dragging of the wheelchair, was that Steve or was that in the script? Oh, Angela, you are not the only person to wonder. Oh. So I did look this up because Camille, Sarah, Dylan, Megan, and Katie all asked the same question. Yes, it was scripted. Here's what it says in the script. It says, Michael can't figure out how to undo the lock on the wheelchair, so he drags it down while still doing a traditional wedding walk. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So all of that of him doing the like step together, step mm -hmm. together, that was, you know, a script note. Well, we asked Phyllis about this moment and here's what she had to say. One of the scenes that stood out in my mind was when I was walking down the aisle. And um, since I've never been married, to me, that was a real thrill. And then uh, Michael, Steve, Michael, when he started dragging the wheelchair after my dad had gotten up and was going to walk me down the aisle and Michael was dragging the wheelchair, I could not keep a straight face. And I was so happy that the majority of the time my back was to that, <laughs> to that action because it was just hard to, 
to keep it in. Just the sound of the wheelchair dragging down the aisle. I remember that. I remember it was very hard to get through. Jenna, I don't know if you remember, but I sat directly behind you. No. Yes. And we were tickled because between scenes, we could turn around and chat to each other. Well, it's funny because someone pointed out that it seemed like all of the Dunder Mifflin employees were on one side except for Pam. Yes. Usually there's a bride side and a groom side, but yeah. I guess we sat on the groom side. But I do remember I have such a memory of how beautiful the back of your hair looked. It looks so oh. beautiful. I watched this episode and I just thought I looked fantastic. I'm you just did. Say, I was like, oh my gosh. You did. My hair looks amazing. That dress, that color, that chocolatey color dress. I had never seen you in that color before, personally. Uh, why don't I wear that color more is what I thought. I don't know. I feel like that color inspired me because that was the color of the dress I wore to the Golden Globes. Remember that oh, time yeah. that when we, when we met Ben yes. Affleck? Yeah. Yes. 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 I was like, if Pam can wear it, I can wear it. Well, I noticed something else about the wedding guests. What? No Gino and Leo. Bob oh. Vance did not seem to invite any employees. So Phyllis invited all of her work friends. But I didn't see a big bunch of Vance refrigeration people. Well, you only know two of them, really. Gino and Leo. Maybe Phyllis was like, those two will do something. They're always up to something. They're on my list. No, they're on my no list. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure Bob was like, we're inviting Michael, but I can't bring Gino and Leo. I don't think Bob cared. Well, I don't know if you noticed in the line of groomsmen mm -hmm. standing up there, there are a set of twins. Those are meant to be Bob's grown sons. Oh, it's in the script that Bob's twin sons are standing up for him. So he has his best friend and who gives a little bit of a speech later and then his twin sons. And then I don't know who the other man is meant to be, but no Gino and Leo. So Phyllis is now a stepmom. Yeah. The minister is trying to finish the vows, but Michael jumps the gun and he pronounces Bob and Phyllis man and wife. He had to get something in there. And it's crickets because the vows aren't finished, everyone. You know what the best job for Michael would have been is if he could have just been the DJ at the reception. Just be the person who announces them in. Yes. For the first time, I'd like to introduce yeah. to you. Yes, that could have been it. Give him a microphone. It would be like the Dundies for him all over again. He could be like, and now for the first dance and all of that. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you should give Michael a microphone as we will see soon. Oh, yeah. Well, you you know what, Angela? I always like to give shout outs to our guest actors. The minister was played by Rick Scary. And Michael does finally get it right. Everyone cheers. And he's he's a little happy with that moment. He's like, oh, good. And he should have just left it alone. He had his moment, Michael. But Michael can't leave it alone, you guys. No. And it's all going to blow up. At the reception. Roxanne. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about what happens. Well, folks, you know, I have a lot of family in Texas and I just want you to know 
If you travel to Texas, there are vast landscapes, cultures, regions, destinations, activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. You can have fun in the sun. Texas has 350 miles of coastline. That's right. Or if you like more of a rugged vacation, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, state parks, and the food. Can we talk about the food? Tex-Mex. And barbecue. There's live music, art museums, cowboy experiences. Come on. Right now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-the-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. So you go in there and you click your interests and it'll say, here's where you want to go in Texas. Mm -hmm. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters, yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed to connect with candidates faster by scheduling, screening, and messaging. And Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 23 hires were made on Indeed every minute, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash OfficeLadies. Just go to Indeed.com slash OfficeLadies right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash office ladies. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. So we are back. We're about to go to Phyllis and Bob's reception. And Angela, it is really hitting me that we were on location this entire episode. Jenna, I wrote about it in my journal. I said, we were on location all week and we got to spend a lot of time in our trailers together because we had no, quote, office set to call home. Oscar and I, (laughs) Oscar and I played music and danced in my trailer. Oh, and John's trailer was Hangout Central. The guys were playing Madden football in there And we went, us gals, and hung out in there, too. Rain actually attempted to teach me how to play Madden. Oh, I was horrible. And he was so patient. At one point, our second AD was trying to find us all. And when he came to John's trailer, it was John, Rain, Jenna, Rashida, and me. Us gals took turns hosting lunch. Today, I hosted, and I realized I spent the morning sprucing up my trailer. Isn't that crazy? I cleaned it, and then I lit a candle like I was at home having people over for dinner. Of course you did. Oh, my gosh. This is so cute. I think the thing that's striking me, Angela, is that it's true how little time we spent in our trailers when we were back on our Dunder Mifflin set because we would just hang out at our desks yes, between scenes. Exactly. That's why I said we, we didn't have our, our office desks. So, yeah. And, and I know a lot of these scenes, Jenna, if we weren't in them, they really wanted us to go to our trailer because they didn't want, you know, they, they didn't want to be looking for us all throughout the church. So when we yeah. weren't in scenes, they wanted us to go to our little base camp area. And we didn't do as much background work in this episode as you might think. They really crafted these shots. And Ken kind of talked about that. He had a very specific shot list and he knew exactly what he wanted to see and when he wanted to see it. 
So if you weren't a part of that storytelling, you were back in the trailer. Yeah. Learning how to play Madden football from Rain Wilson. I guess so. (laughs) Now that you bring it up, I have a vague memory of Rain very patiently trying to teach you all the buttons on that controller. I was horrible. Back at the reception, I guess on the way into the reception, they have a traditional receiving line. Everyone walks through. You have a nice little moment with Phyllis. Yes, I say that her dress is so white, it's almost blinding. I think I know what the implication is there. Yes, but did you notice that I have little lace gloves on? No. Yes, and I had to wear them the whole week, and they drove me crazy. Well, you know they would especially drive you crazy today because you cannot wear lace gloves and operate a smartphone. Oh, right. I wouldn't be able to swipe up or do anything. No. That was my first thought. My first thought when you told me that. But then my other thought is, were they itchy? They were a little too long for my fingers. So I had this little like floppy bit. And then... That's what she said. (laughs) I have a deleted talking head where I show up to the church. And it's one of the craziest shots. I meant to bring it up to Ken, dang it. It's like he put the camera on the ground, Jenna. And it's shooting up from the asphalt, like under my chin. It's not super flattering. And I'm looking down and a high above my head is the cross in the steeple of the church. It's a very dramatic talking head where I basically say, you know, I like traditional weddings. So let's see what this one's going to be like. And as I'm doing it, I'm, I have black gloves on and I'm taking them off slowly. And as I do, underneath are my lace gloves. <laughs> I adore that detail. That is very funny. So people are milling about. People are kind of like, you know, checking out the food. They're walking around. Kelly finds Pam. Mm -hmm. And she is like, oh, my God, you must be so miserable right now. Yeah. And Pam's like, I don't know. I'm fine. I'm okay." And she's like, well, she would be freaking out and getting drunk and telling someone she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Pam's like, and Pam's like, it's a lot of good ideas. <laughs> I feel like Kelly is a frenemy. I feel like she's one of those types of gals. Like, clearly, Pam is noticing all of this. She really doesn't want anyone to then, like, rub it in her face. But she's like, oh, my God, are you so bummed out? Because they totally took your wedding and Roy's here and Jim's with someone else. I would be miserable. Yes, but it's all under the guise of, like, are you OK? Yeah. She doesn't care. She doesn't care if you're okay. No. Mm -mm. No. This is a gossip moment. Yeah. Well, Dwight is determined to find the wedding crashers. Dwight finds an elderly guest at the buffet. He's like putting a roll in his pocket. I respect that move. I have put bread in my purse before. I've done it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Many times. Many times. I've done it with you. I don't like to be without food. I want to have a snack on me at all times. Okay, so Dwight thinks he's a wedding crasher. He starts asking him all these questions, and the man is confused. And Dwight's like, that's it, and kicks him out. He kicks him out. And that's when Michael checks in with Phyllis, who's like, is everything okay? He he mentions he sent back the chicken because it was undercooked. Phyllis is like, it was fish. He's like, I'm on it. Well, we had a fan question from Ashley Brooks. She wanted to know, did either of you have a funny story or a wild card guest like Michael at your weddings? Oh. You know, I didn't. But two people did have sex in the bushes at my wedding. I know one of them. It wasn't me. Well, I know both of them because they were guests at my wedding 
and they didn't come together. What? Oh, oh, that sounded weird. <laughs> I don't know that much. I don't know that many details about their about their rendezvous. Did you see, I was like deer in headlights. I was like, what? Oh dear! No, they no, they didn't no. Ar- arrive to the wedding. Wedding together. They hooked up at your wedding. Yes. Okay. Well, I can tell you, at my wedding, we didn't have a random guest, but my husband really, really, really wanted to have a signature drink. He was like so excited about it. And I love a signature drink. I know he he did too. I was like, eh, but he wanted he likes a Moscow Mule, so he wanted to have the Moscow Mule, but he wanted to use is it bourbon? I'm gonna get this wrong. It's actually called a Kentucky Mule. They make it a okay. little different, but. He wanted everyone as their wedding favor to get the, a copper mug. Do you remember this, Jenna? I love my copper mug. Okay. You took yours home. Yeah. yeah. I told Josh. I was like, Josh, people are not going to realize they can take them home. They're not. And he's like, yes, they will. We'll say it's the, the party favor. They get to take a copper mug home. It, engraved on it was like our wedding date. I was like, babe, this is really nice. People are not going to take them home. And we got into a little fight about it. It was planning the wedding. Guess what? What? We have 55 copper mugs. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, Lee and I both took our mugs home. I knew that that was your wedding favor. We had a sign. Probably because you told me. And also, we had a sign. It had your your table where you went to get seated, tied in a ribbon with your name. And they said, "This, this copper mug is yours to take home. Now, to be fair, Angela, mm-hmm. if you had been a guest at your own wedding, mm-hmm. would you have read the sign and taken home your mug? Jenna, when it comes to getting free things, I read. <laughs> okay, that's it. You know what I wouldn't have read? The instructions what? on where to park. That's correct. I would have circled around until I figured it out, but I would have known to take the copper mug home. Fair enough. All right. Well, now we have some big news. Scrantonicity is going to be playing at Phyllis's reception. Yeah. She hired Kevin's band, Scrantonicity. It's their third gig. Their previous two gigs were for members of their own band. Mm-hmm. But before they begin playing their set, Kevin asked the crowd, has anyone seen Uncle Al? He has dementia and his family is really worried about him. And then he immediately launches into Roxanne. (laughs) The timing of that is so perfect. Well, Angela, we got a lot of questions about the band. Becky, Hadassah, Marie, Sam, and Sarah all wanted to know, was it really Brian Baumgartner singing at the wedding? And was he really playing the drums? Yes and yes. Yes and yes. And he practiced, you guys. He took it really seriously. He worked so hard on that. And I thought he did such a great job. Yeah. Well, I have an observation, Jenna. Wasn't this also the band that was going to play at Pam's wedding? Yep. So put it on the list. Put it on the list. And speaking of, Roy is about to find Pam, and he tells her he is so impressed by all the details at this wedding and that Phyllis has such great taste. Mm-hmm. Well, Jenna, there is a deleted scene. It's fantastic. Phyllis comes up to Pam at the reception and is like, hey, You might have noticed that Bob and I use the same after-dinner mints, like party favor from your wedding that you had planned. I hope that's okay. And you're like, basically, Pam's like, uh, just the mints? (laughs) So wait, can you play it, Sam? I recorded it. Are you enjoying yourself? Oh, yeah, I'm having a great time. 
Good. You know, I don't know if you noticed, but Bob and I borrowed your idea for the after-dinner mints that you were going to have at your wedding. Oh, yeah. That and also everything. I mean, the dress and the flowers and the fish and the cake. You really sound like you're keeping track. Oh, I just... You know, I could make an announcement if what you want is credit. No, I... Oh, that is amazing. I mean, how passive aggressive is that? Would you like me to make an announcement so you can get credit? It's so amazing. Well, we asked Phyllis about this particular storyline, and she actually had some thoughts on the matter. So, Sam, play the clip. Pam said, um, you know, that I'd stole her everything about her wedding that I had stolen it and that I think the writers kind of liked to like to write Phyllis kind of snarky sometimes. Well, when I got to thinking about it, I don't think that Phyllis Vance, Phyllis Lappin Vance, stole Pam's ideas and colors and flowers and stuff because she was being vindictive. I think that Phyllis had a an admiration for Pam. And I thought, if Pam likes those colors, then those must be pretty special. So it, it, it that was always kind of a, a back story in my mind that I wasn't being nasty, that I was being, um, you know, kind of honoring Pam's Pam's wishes for her ill-fated wedding. But she ended up having a great wedding, didn't she? Aw, that is just Phyllis being Phyllis. Yeah. Phyllis Smith is so sweet. I do think Phyllis Lappin was a little a little shady. <laughs> yes, I think so, too. But it also kind of explains that snarky comment. You know, if that was where she was coming from of like, well, I was just mm-hmm. I admired your choices. But I guess if you need a bunch of credit. You know? Yeah. Well, I think it's sweet because it really speaks to how much Pam shared with Phyllis about her wedding planning. And you see little snippets of that where Phyllis is showing an interest, like they're in the kitchen and then Jim walks in. But this is the person that Pam could share with at work and was probably the only person who took an interest in her wedding. So I think that's why it was especially surprising to Pam where she was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Angela Martin didn't need to hear about your wedding. She probably judged you for doing work on it at work. She did. Yeah. I think there's you have a whole thing where you come down on me about it. I know. All right. So now it's time for the speeches, everyone. Bob's best man, Randy, finishes up his speech and Michael jumps up. He has an amazing line. He's got a 40 minute speech plan. Yeah. All He's going to be like, your host for the next 40 minutes. And it's all like on napkins. Well, a lot of people wanted to know how much of Michael's toast was improvised. Crystal, Sammy, Sarah, Aubrey, and Regan all asked, also, was it hard to keep a straight face? Well, almost all of that speech was scripted. And yes, it's always hard to keep a straight face. But Phyllis had a different take on this. Here's what she had to say. Anytime Michael opened his mouth, it was hard to keep a straight face. And um, at that point in the script, he was kind of hurtful, but he didn't even know it. Um, so I didn't really have to 
to strain to keep a straight face on on that particular scene because I was so hurt that he was saying all those crummy things about me. Some true, but some not. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that Phyllis is like, no, I was so in the moment playing being hurt. And this reminds me of her scene in the first Christmas episode when Michael was so rude to her about her homemade oven mitt. And all the rest of us were just cracking up and Phyllis stayed in character. She was hurt and she didn't break. No, she's a total pro. I mean, she really took all of her all of the different moments of the script that she was in. She really, really played it honest. Well, I want to give a shout out here to Bob's Best Man. He was played by Brian Douglas Hatton, and he's been in a bunch of stuff, including a recurring role as a detective on Monk. Oh, it's another Monk person. Another Office Monk crossover. There you go. Well, I have to point out something that's so ridiculous, but, you know, it is my way. Um, Michael continues his speech and says that their couple's celebrity name would be Flob. Yeah. I looked it up. I was like, when did people start doing this, like combining the names? And this is what the Internet said, guys. The first time a celebrity couple's named was combined was Benifer. I was going to say Benifer. Yes. Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. How does everyone Benifer. know this? This is like a unanimous thought online that Benifer started it all. I knew it. There you go. The next one after Benifer was Brangelina. Yes, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. And then I guess there's one for Kanye West and Kim Kardashian, and it's Kim Yi. Oh, yeah, Kim Yi. I have, I've heard that. I haven't heard that. I, that one is not quite in my vernacular as much as Benifer and Brangelina. Well. But some people pointed out that, you know, Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston would have also been a Benifer. No, they would have been a Brennifer. Well, after he does their name mashup, mm -hmm. he goes on to do what I think he thinks is like a fun, playful kind of roast of Phyllis, where he tells everyone that her nickname in high school was Easy Rider. Well, that's it for Bob. Mm -hmm. Bob's like, you're out of here, buddy. Yeah. And he takes the microphone and he throws Michael out of the wedding as Michael screams, I hate you. This is the second time he screamed, I hate you, at a wedding. This is full circle for him now. He's the little yeah. boy all over again, not getting to be part of the wedding. Groomsmen out there, if Jenna and I can impart anything on you, don't roast the bride. Yeah, good one. It never goes well. No, it's her day. Yeah. Let her have her day. Yeah. You can roast the groom, don't roast the bride. All right, we've got a bunch of little moments, and we talked with Ken about this. I this We kind of move into, like, the rest of the storytelling here in this episode is done in these, like, little vignettes. We have Jim kind of comes up to Pam and is like, why aren't you going to dance? And it's a, it's a little bit of a flirty moment. A little bit. He says, you look cute. It's a total flirt moment. Yeah. And Pam knows it's a flirt moment. So now she's like, oh. But then, you know, he's off dancing with Karen. This is a series of moments where Jim and Pam both kind of get their hopes up and then gets their get their hopes dashed. Yeah. Michael tries to sneak back in the wedding, but Dwight won't let him in. Dwight's so pleased. He's so pleased oh. to be kicking him out. And then Pam is sort of sulking in a corner and you hear, you were meant for me by Jewel. And Roy 
comes up to Pam and is like, oh, my gosh, they're playing our song. And she's like, yeah, it's so weird. I thought they only played the police. And he's like, well, I gave them 20 bucks. Do you want to dance? Pam is very moved by this. It's thoughtful. It is thoughtful. And Roy is really making an effort. And they go and they dance together. And then the camera pans and we see Angela and Dwight have sneaked off and they are dancing together. Yes. So, you guys, this shot was really fun to do. We had to do it at night. So we did it one evening. It was outside. And Ken, when he had scouted the whole church, found this back door that then had steps that led down, right? And Mm -hmm. so we decided to film it there. Those steps actually faced the street, which was a busy street, and we didn't have it blocked off. No one was crossing the street. So it was just people going about their evening. And as we slow danced in one take, a car drove by with the windows down and they went, oh, my God, Dwight, Dwight, Angela. And we had to do the take over again. That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. I love that. After this dance, Roy is like, hey, do you want to get out of here? And Pam says, yes. Oh. And they walk off and they're holding hands and Jim sees it. And it just hits you like a ton of bricks when he watches her leave with him. And then he has a talking head where he's like, you know what? I'm glad I'm here with Karen. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have a few moments, Karen singing with the band. Rashida mentioned this when she came on the podcast, that she was so nervous to have to sing. She could not have been more adorable in this moment. When he says, I'm glad I'm with Karen, and then it cuts to her singing and dancing, she's the cutest person on the planet. She was so stinking cute. Yes. And I think Rashida would be happy to know that Ariana November wrote in to say, is Rashida Jones a trained singer? Because she is really good. And I thought she had a great voice, too. I did, too. I did, too. And then I even thought, you know, Jim's reaction, like waving his phone in the air. It was cute. Yeah. Yeah. So then Phyllis tosses her bouquet and Ryan swats it away from (laughs) Kelly. Kelly was clearly going to catch that bouquet and Ryan swats it away. A lot of people wanted to know if that was a scripted moment. Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. Ryan can't let Kelly catch that. Do you know what that would do for their relationship? No, no, no. But who does catch it? Toby's date. And I loved so much, Jenna, that one-on-one of Toby to camera where he's like, Toby, yeah. Yeah. Well, now we move outside and Michael is sitting on a bench with Uncle Al. Yeah. And they're having this big heart-to-heart. How perfect is that? Oh, it was such a great scene. We had some people write in. Christy Carroll, Connor Yakes, and Ashley Howell all asked, can you talk about the actors that played Uncle Al and Phyllis's dad, Elbert, because they were both fabulous? Well, guys, George Ives played Uncle Al, and he was a longtime television actor. He appeared in Mr. Ed. The Andy Griffith Show, My Three Sons, Bewitched, and a bunch of movies. He passed away in 2013, and The Office was his last television show that he appeared in, according to IMDb. Yeah, and he was just absolutely fabulous. Yeah. And then Hansford Rowe played Phyllis's father. He passed away in 2017. He was a very accomplished actor. 
Listen to the movies he's been in. He was in Dante's Peak, Baby Boom, Three Days of the Condor. He's been in a ton of television shows, Modern Family, Will and Grace, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Six Feet Under. But here's the one that got me. He was in this miniseries called V. Do you remember V? Was it about aliens taking over? Yes. And then you would, it was people from would, the 80s. Yeah, people would do the sign, the V, the little sign with their yes. fingers. Yeah. And the way you found out they were aliens is they would peel off their skin and they were like lizard people underneath. Yeah. Oh, my God. I forgot about that show. Remember how shocking it was when you saw their lizards? Yeah. Well, listen, we had a fan question from Sierra, Katie Regan, Katie Slemp, Allison, and Lexi. They all noticed that at 19 minutes, 30 seconds, as Phyllis is leaving the church, she seems to have a black brace on her right knee. Well, guys, I asked Phyllis about this, and she does not remember. She was definitely not injured during the making of this episode. But, you know, she said she went through a few injuries during her time on the show. And I guess this must have been when she was favoring that knee a little bit. But I I stopped it. And sure enough, there is a little bit of a, a bandage there. I did not catch that. Yeah. Oh, man, we have really good background catchers. That watch the show. We do. Well, now we have this tag, this little scene at the end, and it's Bob and Phyllis. They're they're doing that thing where you shove the wedding cake in the face kind of thing. And of course, Michael wants to get in on it. It's really awkward. I don't know if you noticed on this cake. It was so amazing. It was so well done. There was a full silver refrigerator made of fondant that sat on top of the cake as like the topper next to the little bride and groom figurine. I did not notice that. Yes. That is brilliant. That- of course. Of course, there was a Vance refrigerator on the top of the cake with them. That was also cake. So you know how you <laughs> you know how you take the top part of the cake and you save it and you have it on your one year anniversary? Yeah. They're gonna eat that refrigerator on <laughs> their one year anniversary. <laughs> did you do that? Did you save the top of your cake and eat it a year later? No. <laughs> Did you? Oh, no. Did you? You know what? It's weird. I can't remember. But this past year, we just celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary. Lee and I, 10 years this year. That's amazing, lady. Well, and it happened during a pandemic. And um, we had these plans that for our 10th wedding anniversary, we wanted to take a big trip and take the kids to the spot where Lee proposed to me. And I wanted to have a family portrait taken in this spot. And that was, I mean, I've been had this in my head for like years since our seventh wedding anniversary. Yes, that this would be such a fun way to mark our 10th wedding anniversary. Well, you know, then we couldn't really go anywhere because our our anniversary is in July. So we ended up having dinner outside underneath our fruit trees. And our original wedding planner, Beth Helmstetter, you know her. She set it all up for us. She came over. She wore a mask. She set this little table out under our trees. And do you know what she did for us? What? She had the records from our wedding, and she had a tiny replica of our wedding cake made for us for four people so that our kids could eat our wedding cake on our 10th wedding anniversary. That is so special. That is so sweet. I wanted to tell you, though, we didn't eat the top of our cake. That wasn't the type of cake we had at our wedding. But I have to tell you our topper story. 
which is, you know, we're a blended family. We were two whole families coming together. So our children were a really big part of our wedding. They all wanted to speak at the ceremony. And then when it came time for the cake, instead of getting a traditional bride and groom figurine, we let the kids design this out of Legos. Oh, that's right. And so we had a little Lego, sort of like they made like a little... um archway out of Legos and then they put little Lego flowers on the white archway and then they made Legos of me and Josh and then of each of them so all three kids so we had five little Legos under a Lego archway on top of our wedding cake so sweet so cute right and we saved it it's on our mantle well lady I just love all that So we did get some questions about this cake scene. And guys, I want to let you know, so this was originally shot to be earlier in the episode. And then they just liked it. So they used it as the tag. But it was meant to go right before Dwight confronts Uncle Al for stealing the bread at the buffet and throws him out. There were some questions about why this was at the end of the episode. It It was just sometimes we do that. Sometimes, you know, we cut back to a moment that might have happened earlier as our tag. Well, that's the fun thing about a cold open and a tag. Sometimes they don't have to be in sort of a time-ordered manner. Yes. Yes. Well, the original tag of this episode was supposed to be a series of photos where Michael is photobombing every single picture. (laughs) I remember taking these pictures and you can find some of them. You can. Where are they? Office tally, maybe? Yeah. So for a while, NBC had these photos up on their website. And I don't think they're there anymore, but I'm going to do a little digging. And if we can find them, we'll put them up on the pod. But I remember shooting them. It was very, very funny. Yeah, I remember those, too. Well, you know, Jenna, we asked Phyllis about the cake and just about this episode, things she remembered and, and things that stood out to her. And here's what she had to say. Yes, it was very good cake. And we didn't really do that many uh, takes of it. It was the end of the night. They didn't want to mess my face and hair up every time. So I think we just practiced it without messing it all over our faces. And then we did it just the one time. So no, we didn't, we didn't do that multiple times where it had to be cleaned up and this and that. And then Michael went crazy, of course, <laughs> uh, smearing it all over his face. And you know, one of the funniest scenes that I think in the, that tore me up when I saw it for the first time was when Michael was outside jumping at the window trying to look in after he'd been es- escorted out by Dwight. I don't know, for some reason that just really tore me up. I thought that whole wedding was, was of course I would, was a remarkable episode. Uh, everybody had their, their uh, shining moments in it. Kelly dressed in white and uh, the whole Pam and Jim, Karen, Roy triangle, that was all great. It was just pretty special. And um, Ken, I think Ken directed that. He was fantastic. I always enjoyed working with him. And we were so blessed on that show. We had so many great writers, directors, and the fact that we all got to grow up together on this show, basically. Um, Not just this episode, the whole nine seasons. And um, it was really a blessing then and continues to be to this day. I'm glad you enjoyed the episode. I'm assuming you did. And um, I'll talk to you later. 
Well, now we're wrapping up the episode. But Jenna, before we say goodbye, I have to talk about a few deleted scenes. One I talked about with Ken Whittingham about Angela's whole runner with Dennis. Yes. The veterinarian. um, Who who she says, I'm sorry, but I'm with someone. She does end up turning Dennis down. But here are the two other deleted scenes that were so funny to me. Number one, Kevin has a talking head. He says that he has proposed to four different girls. Oh, my God. Four. But Stacy was the first one to say yes. And, you know, if it couldn't be Melissa Riley, then he's glad it was Stacy. Wow. Who the heck is Melissa Riley? I don't know. Okay, I thought that was delicious. And this is the other one I loved. Wedding planners, listen up. There is a deleted scene where Meredith holds up a party favor and it's a little tiny refrigerator magnet. And when you open the door to the refrigerator, there's a picture of Phyllis and Bob. Wow. Yeah. Well, she didn't steal that from Pam's wedding. She didn't steal that one. But don't you wish you had that magnet, that little refrigerator magnet? So in the deleted scene, we see this item. Yes, I took a screen grab of it. So uh, who has that now? I don't know. But Meredith is the one who holds it up. She's like, did you guys get your little magnet? And it's a refrigerator. It's so cute. Angela, I love this refrigerator magnet that goes on your refrigerator so much (laughs) that I would like you, please, because you're in charge of our merch. I am. I love it, you guys. If you ever have ideas, let me know. Well, I have one, so I'm letting you know. Will you please make a refrigerator magnet with a little door that opens and inside the refrigerator is me and you? (laughs) I don't know why we're in the refrigerator. I just want to be in there. Okay? Okay. I can be holding a little jar of sourdough starter and you can be holding something too. A glass of wine. Sure. (laughs) You open up the refrigerator to us, but you can put your own photo in there. Or we can just be on your refrigerator. We'd be happy to be there. To keep you company. Sure. Well, you guys, that was Phyllis's wedding. A huge thank you to Phyllis Smith for sending in those audio files. And of course, oh my gosh, thank you, Ken Whittingham. Yes. Guys, we love you. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Office Ladies. Office Ladies is produced by Earwolf, Jenna Fisher, and Angela Kinsey. Our producer is Cody Fisher. Our sound engineer is Sam Kiefer. And our associate producer is Ainsley Bubico. Our theme song is Rubber Tree by Creed Bratton. For ad-free versions of Office Ladies, go to stitcherpremium.com. For a free one-month trial of Stitcher Premium, use code OFFICE. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, we all carry around different stressors. Some are big, some are small. I know I keep mine kind of bottled up, and it can start to affect us. 
Well, therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. You can finally get a chance to talk about all those stressors. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash OfficeLadies today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash OfficeLadies. 